1: would removing paul de podesta from the equation be enough of a move for the browns like if they just fired him reassigned him all of a sudden he rolled up to uh, andrew berry and kevin stefanski would that be enough uh, that plus obviously trimming the joe woods branch off the browns accountability bush would would that be enough would those cuz i'll be honest if you came out and said they have uh, elevate elevate Andrew Barry. Give him a new title, F- head of football operations. None of these titles mean anything, by the way. I honestly think it's just a bunch of people in a room being like, "What is the most highfalutin title we could give people to make them?" He's the general manager. Give him a new title, though. He can even put it on LinkedIn, right? Kevin Stefanski, head of football coaching. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and change that. Uh what Stanford always puts like a donor name. It's like the the Steve Smith head football coach. Yeah, let, let, let's get the uh the Jim Brown head football coach of football coaching for Kevin Stefanski. If you remove Paul D Podesta and you remove Joe Woods, it would buy the Brown, it would buy, in my estimation, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry some time. I don't want them hamstrung by a baseball dodo. Who, by the way, wasn't a good baseball GM. He Like, he never won as a GM. He was a really good assistant GM. He was a really good head of nothing title. But like, Paul DePodesta as a GM was not a rousing success in, in, in Major League Baseball. And Jimmy Haslam's like, candidly, you can run my organization now. Uh Browns we we already heard from Kevin Stefanski. Uh Greg Newsome the second. He is one of the guys in the locker room by the way that I don't loathe to hear speak. Usually I like to hear Miles Garrett. Now I'm a little bit uh I'm a little bit frustrated with that. But Greg Newsom, he was talking earlier today. And he got into he got into the idea of the Browns. Which one do I have you here Span cuz now I forgot. Number 9. Let's actually get to – I think I'm going to pull a mulligan on this one. Pull a mulligan. I think it's called a uh, – this is really just riveting radio on the fly here. This is clearly why they put me in afternoon drive. Let's go with 7 Newsom here. Because the the first clip we were going to play was, was about Greg Newsom talking about the importance of finishing with a better record than last year. But I want to get to – Greg Newsom talking earlier today on how they can prevent from slow starts and missing out on the playoffs next year.
2: I think it's just come in with that, you know, that, that fire. Like, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where, you know, every game is a must win. Like, you want to have some of those games towards the end of the season where, you know, you lose and you're just not out of it. So, I think it's just like starting off with that fire, that mentality, like that underdog mentality, you know, right away um, in the beginning of the season.
1: It's wild because if you listen to this team before the season, they talked about the importance of, of starting fast. They talked about the importance of uh, playing well in September because in September, if you can get wins in September, it buys you leeway late in the season. And what's funny is the thing that we thought was going to sink them early in the season didn't. It a top a top 10 scoring offense for most of the season. With Jacoby Brissett. So when I hear Greg Newsom say, well, we gotta kind of have that dog in us early in the season, to me, it is a hundred percent on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know, by the way, I don't know if that if they don't have the dog on the defensive side of the ball because they just decided. Like there's a part of me, there's a conspiracy theory part of me, guys, that wonder if the Browns were selectively uh selectively bad because they wanted Joe Woods fired, right? If, if they were selectively picking and choosing Matt moments because they don't have to deal with a guy they don't believe in. It's a real thing I've started to believe. Because honestly, guys, like, listen, does matchup swing a lot in the NFL? What you do well, what they do well, obviously. But, like, look at some of those games. The real reason why you won games down the stretch here recently is other teams just patently refused to run the ball. The Ravens kind of gave up running in the fourth quarter because they were down 13 to 3. The Buccaneers, inexplicably, in the second half, they were having all the success in the world. They just abandoned the run. Let's put it all on touchdown, Tommy. It's it's really like I gotta be honest with you. I one, I think Greg's right. The Browns did not attack this season from the first week with the requisite consistent, because it's because they they played hard against the the, the Panthers till about the fourth quarter. They played hard against the Jets until about, I mean, they played 58 minutes of hard football against the Jets, and in two minutes, it was all undone. The only complete victory, they really, the only, there are two complete victories, no, three. The Steelers game, the Bengals game, and the Texans game. Those are the only complete victories the Browns had. Every other game, they just didn't either focus, play hard, do their jobs, whatever it is, for 60 minutes. Two one six five seven eight double o nine two. 92 When you hear Greg Newsom say they got to play with that dog in them from week one, they got to play better early in the season. Where does that point blame for you Two one six five seven eight double zero nine two. bill welcome to the show bill
2: hi hello Listen, uh,
1: hello hello
2: yeah can you hear me
1: i can hear you can you hear me
2: uh, yes i can hear you it's good to hear you yeah yeah i well first of all you do a great job you said a lot of things this year that i agree with stop um uh, the one thing however that Loses folks, and it's just not focused on enough. And and that is the methodology that this coaching staff has. All right? When you have a guy like Nick Chubb, and and you could probably draw a straight line from what I'm about to tell you, all the way down through all the rest of their issues, all right? Because it's a train of thought. Nick Chubb on the bench, third and one. Nick Chubb on the bench, fourth and one. Nick Chubb on the bench third and one when you're on the one-yard line. I don't think I have to say anymore. Any coaching staff that believes that's a great way to go and a perfect way to call a game, I'm just not going to be behind them.
1: Yeah, and- I, I, I... Listen, I'm, I'm always torn on the idea of Nick Chubb usage. On one hand, I thank you for the call, Bill, and the compliment. I really like when people say nice things to me. Um... I've always been torn on the chub thing because there is an there is an ebb and flow in football where we saw it for a couple of years there it was skewing heavily towards the pass game. And really kind of starting over the last year year and a half, you've seen teams kind of revert to being I don't want to say run heavy, but featuring the run more. Whether they had Derrick Henry or whether they had Jeff Wilson. Um and a, a lot of that i think is just the natural ebb and flow because when you go and you 60% of your your uh your, your offense is passing well, all of a sudden you're going to go ahead and you're going to throw uh the the two deep safeties you're going to start to adjust to that so what does that make it easier to do to run so it's just it, there is just a natural ebb and flow that happens um the the chub usage i also think is impacted by kareem hunt and listen i don't think the chub usage is going to get any better I I think if you hate the way Kevin Stefanski has used Nick Chubb the last two years uh, or three years even, you're going to hate it even more. I I think that uh, Saints game, and I I don't know it's just Kevin Stefanski. It might be an organizational decision to throw more, to throw later in games, to throw in key spots. That might be just an ethos that that analytics backs up, that old Paul DePodesta, Oh, Ken Kovash. I just say that because Mike Lombardi was on the station like two weeks ago, and he just randomly threw out that name, and it just felt like he had an extra grind with Ken Kovash. and I was like, it'd be like being mad at like uh, Drew Carey and the Drew Carey show, like middle manager stuff. I never got it. Never mind. I digress. I don't know that even the that whole idea with Kevin Stefanski throwing the ball, I don't even know that's Kevin Stefanski's thing. That might be Kevin Stefanski dealing with pressure. If Paul Podesta is really in the headset and really part of decision-making, are we going to put it past um, a guy that's clearly that power-hungry that he's involved in all areas of the game, that he's going to pressure Kevin Stefanski to, to pass the ball? And again, that's not meant to completely absolve Kevin Stefanski. But the greater point is, if you don't like them not running Nick Chubb 25 times a game, you're going to hate the next three years. Because they're going to get every cent out of the Deshaun Watson contract. They are going to, and I mean, we're talking, there are going to be games where that guy throws 50 times a game. And we're going to, well, look down, Nick Chubb. Oh, why does Nick Chubb only have 12 catches? Or sorry, only has 12 uh, rushes. That's because they threw 55 times. Will they need to? I don't know. Will it be appropriate? Uh, we're going to have that argument. But I think your days of being pissed about Nick Chubb usage? Oh, they are just beginning. William, welcome to the show, William.
3: Uh, you know, thanks, Nick. Sitting here on hold, I thought I had a couple of positive comments, but everything you're saying is is sadly dead on, you know. <laughs> and uh, sadly, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss, you know. I've always thought that the difference between a good coach and a smart coach is a good coach will know when he's reached his limitations when look at the example uh for example i always say look at nick saban and urban meyer nick saban runs any offense he needs to fit what personnel he has urban meyer will put players into his scheme and run them into the ground whether it's working or not and that's what we're seeing from stefanski he he's too cute he thinks he's smarter than he is now maybe it's steve podesta maybe it's the fancy but it's not working and I want to give a pass. I want to give this group another chance because I think they are smart. I think they are capable in their own way. But there's just no excuse. When there are teams out there winning games with Brock Purdy coming off the bench cold, I mean, come on. Jacoby Brissett was everything we needed him to be and more. And Stefanski or whoever is unwilling to say, look, here's the problem. The defense is sloppy. The penalties are sloppy. The players are not playing hard. You have your own players, Greg Newsom, saying we needed to come out of the gate with a little bit of fire. Whose job is that? Whose job is that? I mean, come on. And uh, you know what? I apologize. I'll hang up because I don't really have a point. I don't really have anything to say. I'm just so frustrated. It's so depressing that it's the end of December and we're in last place. And Pittsburgh... My God, they have no damn talent, but they're playing hard. They're trying to win, and I just don't see that, and I never see that. I never see that. Thanks,
1: yeah, Nick. can I, I, I agree with you on the Pittsburgh thing. Like I, There's a part of me that wonders whether Pittsburgh's surging late in the season with uh, having to juggle quarterbacks because of Kenny Pickett's concussion, because of uh, just the fact that they're surging. I do wonder if that's going to add more heat, if Jimmy Haslam's going to look across the division and get a little pissy. There's, there's a significant part of that. But everything that, what I think to add to what Will had to say, which was, and it kind of builds off the Greg Newsom thing. Well, we got to be dogs starting in the season. And every time we asked that, we had uh, Jacob Phillips on around Thanksgiving. So who are the leaders in the locker room? Well, we don't really need leaders. We're professionals. On the, We got two games to go. You're out of the playoffs. And we're talking about guys not playing hard at the beginning of the season. Maybe you do need leaders. And maybe it's as simple as the Browns locker room has a bunch of guys that don't feel like they need to be led, and the Browns have a coaching staff who doesn't value leadership. Both things can be true. Both things are troubling. The Browns are out of the playoffs. Now what? Because I heard every single person in that organization today talk about the importance of the final two games. We just heard Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom has a has a spiel on the uh final two games. Nick Chubb. Right? Nick Chubb says diddly squat. Nick it's about an 8 second clip. He's got something on the importance of the final two games. Kevin Stefanski, we played it earlier. Kevin Stefanski talking about the possibility of younger players playing more now that the playoffs are off are off kilter. And the reality is, can I just, because sports people don't like doing this. They don't like saying this. My answer to the Browns are out of the playoffs, now what, is I don't know. I think the next two games are a real slippery slope. They're like when I saw my first daughter out out of the house and knew that she came out the back door. And I knew, this is a slippery slope to the anger junkie inside of my being then I need to handle this really uh, delicately. That's the word I was looking for. The next two games are really dicey for the Cleveland Browns. And I think the easy thing to say is they're they're dicey for Kevin Stefanski. That's easy. Jimmy Haslam's a chucklehead. Jimmy Haslam candidly goes ahead and just fires people on a random whim because uh, he totally forgot he was the guy that hired him in the first place. I also don't trust Paul DePodesta if that hasn't been made perfectly clear. That guy seems like a survivor. You ever? Everybody has these. Uh, every building, every corporation in America has people who the only reason they're still employed is not that they're good at their job. It's not that they're good people. It's just that they've survived. They know how to navigate the, the corporate minutia. And the and usually, by the way, how it works is you just blame somebody else and find a way to blame somebody else. That feels like Paul D. Podesta to me. He, he did it with John Dorsey. I still am apoplectic. They fired John Dorsey. J.D. could have been the biggest a-hole on the planet. I don't care. That guy knew talent. But John Dorsey didn't jibe with Paul D. Podesta, which to the shock of no one, candidly. I think think the next two games are more important, though, because we got to see... If the Browns, and this is a Browns problem, not a Kevin Stefanski problem, if the Browns can retain their locker room, if the Browns can hold guys, and it's not about accountability, although it is. It's not just about accountability, I should say. It's not just about any one thing in particular. It's about can you keep these guys engaged to the end of the season? They were barely... In, I don't want to say barely. They were not entirely engaged across 15 games when the playoffs were on the line. I think it becomes really dicey that you're going to try and do that now with two games to go, including two games on the road. Coming off, a, a pretty embarrassing collapse loss against the Saints. Vinny, welcome to the show, Vinny. What you got for us?
2: Hey, I got two points here. Um, I'll make it quick. But deep that's the story, I don't know if it's true or not, but... Stefanski does fit that role, you know, like being a little puppet, being a pocket, pocket boy and, you know, doing what he's told. Second point is Stefanski has no control of the locker. We don't know who the leader is. We don't know what's going on. All three facets of the game are on discipline, flags everywhere, 12 men on the field. And I want to go back to the Jets game. I knew it was going to be a disaster when there was a minute 30 left. The camera points at Stefanski in the background. Everyone's cheering. Kids are ready to get on the field after a nice win and a complete collapse after that. It is Stefanski. Stefanski is a problem. No one wants to play with the guy. He's a robot. No one likes him. No one knows who the leader is. And Stefanski is not helping out at all. So there you go. Those are my two points. Thank you.
1: We appreciate you, Vinny. Um, Listen, I think that there are parts of Kevin Stefanski that players appreciate. I know Browns fans hate it. I think that there are parts of of that locker room that really like the way Kevin Stefanski dials up the offense. I I, I almost guarantee it. From a strategy perspective, the game plan he puts in place, and I know this because I've actually talked to a few people around the NFL who, who have, like, the highest recommendations of Kevin Stefanski as a offensive play caller. So I guarantee you there are plenty of people on that offense who believe in Kevin Stefanski. Um, I also think guys like that Kevin Stefanski doesn't call him out in public. He might rip him like you wouldn't believe behind closed doors. I don't know, by the way. I don't have any information on that one. But players like it that he keeps everything in-house. I actually think that might be the only reason Kevin Stefanski still has that locker room. 216-578-0092. Uh, I want to get more on your guys' thoughts on this. Will, we got about uh, 60 seconds here, buddy. Uh, the Browns are out of the playoffs. Now what?
3: Yeah, I think right now you're playing for two things. One, you're playing for Stavansky's job, so you'll see how bought-in those players are. But two, and most importantly is you're playing for culture. A culture that's trying to develop winners doesn't just call it quits with two games left in the season because that just keeps the same bad cycle happening over and over again. uh, They needed a culture of accountability to winning, and they need to finish these two games out, especially since one of them is Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, I think that's an actually interesting, uh, really good point there, Will. Thank you for the call. Um, Pittsburgh at one point had a lot worse playoff odds than you. Now they're still in it, and they've got a chance to avoid Mike Tomlin's first losing season. You know why? Because they don't just play for the playoffs. They play for each other. They play for Mike Tomlin. They play for culture. At culture building things real, guys. And and here's the thing. It, it It is the number one reason why continuity is probably the, the sanity that should win out for the Browns. Not total continuity. If everybody's back across the board... Oh, it's going to be an ugly, ugly offseason. All of our seven Browns, con- no, no, no. We're going to have two Browns conversations. The first one's going to be how quickly do these guys get fired this year? And the second one's going to be, is Deshaun any good? And maybe the third one's going to be me trying to bring up mock drafts for a second-round pick that's going to be anywhere from like 41 to, uh, to like 50. There's a lot left on the docket here. I guess my point is, though, because I agree. Like you can, you can't. Culture can win out here if you finish the next two games strong. And Deshaun goes down to Washington, and Deshaun balls out, and you beat a Washington team that today named Carson Wentz their starting quarterback. That's a winnable game, as they're juggling quarterbacks, and you go beat uh, the Steelers. And let's say you uh, you give the Steelers, you knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. Oh well, now oh hell, we just did two. Nice wins. The problem is, listen, Brown's fans are never checked out. I think Brown's fans are checked out right now. The Browns fans this year have cared more about the, the games than the team has. It's, it's weird to me that all of a sudden we would start expecting the team to care more than the fans when the fans seem to be checked out. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. eight92 It brings up the question. How are you going to take in this weekend's game? I'm going to watch it. I have a, I have a Sunday regimen. If, if I'm not going to the game, which obviously it's in Washington, not going to the game. Um, if I'm not going to the game, my Sunday regimen is pup walk early, spend some quality time with the Wilson girls early so that then I can ignore them when the Browns game is on. But at about, or about 12.59, my ass hits that recliner and doesn't get up outside a bathroom, or to grab a beer until whenever the game is over. This weekend, I'm not doing the same thing I do. This weekend, I'm going to get to my mom's at about uh, 12.59. I will be watching the game. I'm not going to be living and dying with the Cleveland Browns this weekend. The Browns, the second they got beat by the Saints... Uh, And the Saints using the game that the Browns should have, considering the Browns are the cold-weather team, they should have run the hell out of the ball. The second that that happened at home, yep, there's plenty to be had the final two games of this season. But I'm not living and dying with the Browns on Sunday. I'll watch the game, but it it, it no longer is going to ruin my Sunday. That's the one freeing thing about the Browns being out of the playoffs. I'll, I'll laugh a little bit more when they screw up. I just I, I can't be any more emotionally invested in this year's team. Maybe next year with a new defensive coordinator. Maybe we get a little fire Paul D Podesta going. I, I have no idea if that's ever going to happen. Um, probably not. But I'm just trying to manifest it. Maybe sign a couple guys. Maybe I'll start liking them. Maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll feel better about the team heading into July in August of next year. Two one six five seven eight double zero nine two. How are you taking in the next two games? How, or what are you looking for in the next two games by the Cleveland Browns? I want to see this team finish playing the season. I, I want to see them finish strong. There is a difference in my head between 6-11 and 11 and 8-9. and nine. It's not a huge difference. It's not a, oh boy, I love me uh, some Kevin Stefanski. Or, oh man, the Browns are pointing in the right direction. 6-11, guys, is a legitimate dumpster fire. 6-11, and 11, I think firing more than just Joe Woods is really and should be really in the conversation. I think concern about Deshaun Watson should really be in the conversation because that means you would have gone 2-4 and four with him in the final six games. And oh, by the way, that means losing two games when his play should be getting better the final two games of this year. Let's go with Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey Nick, listen, Kevin
2: Stefanski, uh, he he already blew it already. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't. He's not a leader of men, and if he he should have been fired, Joe Woods. I don't care who you replace Joe Woods with during the middle of the season, it wouldn't necessarily matter. The biggest problem I got with Stefanski is that he doesn't have a feel for the game in any situation, and he goes too much by that uh, call sheet. So you tell me what you think, Nick.
1: Um, I think three moves. If you put Nick Wilson in charge of the Cleveland Browns today, one, bye-bye Paul D. Podesta. go back to San Diego, go back to Major League Baseball, send my love to Jonah Hill. Two, I'd fire Joe Woods. Three, I'd tell Kevin Stefanski, I'm going to give you a one-year contract extension if you give up play calling. If not, next year you'll be lame duck. Let's see if you can figure it out. I'd be willing to pay Kevin Stank. That doesn't mean I'm not going to fire him, by the way. It just means he would have an extra year of getting paid by the Browns organization in the event he got fired next year. But I would give him that added security for him giving up play calling duties. And again, he's still going to be involved in the construction of the offense. He's still going to be involved in constructing game plans. He'll still be on the headset. But I don't need to see that damn play sheet in front of his face one more time. He has not earned that right for me. Larry, welcome to the show, bud. Hello? Hello, Larry. Welcome to the show.
2: Okay. Hey, how you doing?
1: Doing all right. This Thank one you. Thing
2: I want to say. and you, you tell me what you think? Okay. I said the Browns bring back all those players on defense. I don't believe everything is Joe Wood's fault. I believe they need to upgrade in defense, player personnel. And I think Kevin Stefanski ain't that bad. Because a lot of these guys do the same thing he do. Just like the other Sunday that watched Green Bay. It was four from one. He threw a bomb and missed it. And Kevin do the same thing, too. I just think that's something they all do in football.
1: Yeah, I listen, I, I there is a part of me. Um, part of me wonders, and thank you for the call. Part of me wonders how much of the offense and throwing the ball more than running the ball, how much is that is an organizational philosophy? I, I think Paul D. Podesta and and the analytics department or whatever, the strategic department, whatever stupid name we have for them now, I do think that they, I think that was a reason why they hired Kevin Stefanski. I also think that sometimes in the game, Kevin as a play caller gets a little antsy in his pantsy. I, I think he tries to, run a mile when he needs to go six inches. That is a young head coach to me. That is a guy that feels the pressure, the innate pressure of winning and losing in the NFL. I think long-term, Kevin Stefanski can grow out of that. But I don't know the Browns are going to encourage him to do that. Hey, you've got a simple play in front of you. Take the first down. Or you can throw it 30 yards and... It may end up in a 30-yard completion, an interception, or uh, an incompletion.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?